This is the one with the live-ish TARDIS reboot. Not so great, Uncle Gerald. A Sermon on the Mount. The Parting of the Head Sea. And the Walls of Jericho Fall. It's called Village of the Angels. Here we go! Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angels now. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond, and operatives of division, for you are everywhere, apparently. Welcome to yet another barnstorming episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docbast. That's right. That's redlining. <laughs> <laughs> Shouting in your earballs tonight, it's me, it's Drew Back When. And who, with his more measured delivery, is sitting opposite me, I hear you ask, in desperation. Well, luckily for you, it's the one, the only. Oh, yeah, it's me. It's Leon. Hello, Drew. Yep, Hello, still podcast Found a second one. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we will be discussing N170 Village of the Angels. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Been looking forward to this. Mm, yes, very you much have. so. Ever since the beginning of Flux. Oh, I hear the Village of the Angels is good. Oh, I seem to remember that's really great. Yeah. I was not misremembering that. No, no, no you weren't. It's a very good episode. Yeah. I get the sense in general people regard this as the great one in Flux. I'm trying to remember what else we've seen in Flux, actually. Somehow, a lot of it is just very unforgettable. War of the Sontarans! What the shit? Actually, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this definitely high high point. Just. Just? Wait, Me what? Me just. Wait, what's number one? Have we gotten to it yet? Oh, I think it won't get any better than this. But what I'm saying is, I only just prefer this one to... Oh, I see. My favourite so far. The, oh. Yeah, I'm not going to give this a stupendously high rating. Oh, okay. There are issues, and we oh, may plenty. get around to Oh, no, no, there them. are plenty of issues. Like, for instance, it doesn't make sense. But... <laughs> <laughs> but... It's a really uh, atmospheric episode. Yep. Yep. That word is in my notes. Oh, amazing. <laughs> what is it about? Oh, this episode? Yeah. A beast gal will tell us. Well, let's venture into one of those, shall we? Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite sized chunk of who. Bite sized chunk of who. In the, it must be said, fate-tempting second iteration of the village of Mediton, November 1967 sees Professor Eustatius Jericho planning on helping out his percipient object of study, Claire Brown, just as soon as he's gathered enough data to explain some fascinating psychic anomalies. Outside, young Peggy has gone missing, and nobody bats an eyelid at the vicar and the suspicious old lady not lifting a finger to join the search. But batting eyelids is the last thing you should do on a cloudy night in rural Devon when the weeping angels are messing with your nine volts. Doc, Yaz and Dan get stuck in while the TARDIS reboots. Dan and Yaz get stuck in 1901, and Doc gets stuck in the basement with hordes of angels overrunning the upstairs, one reassembling like the T-1000 from a great sketch. And as Claire rubs her eyes, it turns out another may be already in the rin. <laughs> <laughs> be scout over. Oh, you are so welcome, Podcast Land. You know you want to. <laughs> Very creepy scene, that. Very creepy yes. scene. Oh. Anyone who can project someone else's voice, you got me. 
You oh, got me. I'm sold. Yeah, apart from time, two episodes from now. Wait, what now? Two episodes from now? Where, where time just appears as the doctor or something, and it's like, oh, screw oh, you. That's yeah, no, get. that doesn't count. That no, doesn't it doesn't count. count. Doesn't count. No, 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 no. Here it's great. Yeah, here it is great. Yeah. Here it's voice only. If time had shown up and only used the dog's voice, maybe it would have been a much better. Uh, no, probably not. But still, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Not. Hey, we're not reviewing that episode. It's fine. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. <laughs> very, 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 very soon. Yeah, yes, yes. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. Where are we starting? I hear that you've got some questions. By some, do you mean <laughs> seven bajillion? Okay. Somewhere between one and that. Yeah. Right. Hit me with number six bajillion and four. Okay. Can I ask you about Claire's cycle? Her time cycle. Not a bike, what rides through time. Not her menstrual cycle. Her <laughs> journey not. to date through this very confusing series or not of events. Yes. Perhaps you just need to explain this to me. It's possible that I've just missed something here. Okay. But if we assume that anyone who is subjected to the power of the angels, you know, that rebooting, kind of the send someone back through time and have them relinquish all their potential and live in the past. Yeah. If we assume that that person still perceives their life as linear, mm-hmm. should Claire not either remember meeting Doc in the past or remember meeting Doc in the future, but not both. I think only one of those is possible. Mm. But here, it's both. I don't think it is both quite. I think that one of them is explained away as her percipience. She had received visions of the Doctor in advance, so when she met the Doctor and Yaz in Liverpool in 2021, she felt like she'd met them before, but actually she was just recognising them from the images in her head. So she is actually psychic. Yes, that is a real psychic basis that the angel does indeed take root in. Yeah, well, there you go. I had missed that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that does make sense. It feels odd, though. It takes away from the sci-fi element of it. Yeah, yeah, it does introduce a supernatural... Well... I don't know, isn't it just implanting sci-fi in humans' own physiology? (laughs) No. Giving them extra brainwaves, science fiction-y brainwaves. Ah, well, I I guess you could, I guess you could explain away anything with that. But yeah, you're (laughs) you're right, that is a fair point. But interesting, I didn't think about her being psychic and therefore, yeah, no, fuck it. All right, fine. Question answered. Nice, answered question. We should probably make a list of those as well. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm checking them off. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like another one? Yeah, give me something harder. Question wise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you should have seen the look on his face. He was ready to go, podcast. So promising. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Hang on. Wait. I'm looking. I'm gonna just see if I can get, find a really good one. Okay. Okay. Ah! Something about this episode, or something that's not in this episode. Let's stay on this episode for now, and we'll branch out later. All right. Fine. By the rationale presented in this episode, would you not lose the battle against the angels as soon as you imagined one? I think that's why Claire has to be a seer. They don't have enough of a psychic purchase for the image to just sprout out of anyone's brain and be reflected inside their mind and that's enough to send them back in time 60 years. I think that maybe we're using, well, you are using, or maybe Chibbers and uh, Maxine Alderton. Alderton are using this psychic ability of Claire's A little bit like uh, the moth used to use, oh, I've travelled through time, so any exception applies to me. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, because doesn't Doc say something like, oh, well, you pictured the angel in your mind, and now there's an angel there. Yeah, but because she has the super special ability, like, she can draw it from memory really, really well. All right, so if you are creative (laughs) enough and you remember having seen an angel... Yeah, and you have a photographic memory. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Forget about that. Okay. Forget about imagination. What about awareness? If you are aware of an angel, you are looking at an angel. You are trying desperately not to blink. You are constantly focusing on that angel as a result. Yeah. You couldn't be more aware of what an angel is, what an angel looks like, conjure that image in your mind. You are staring at it. Yeah, physically, the image of an angel is being reflected upside down on your retina. Yeah. Why is there not an upside down angel inside your head at this point? (laughs) Two, in fact. One in each eyeball. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. goodness. Ah, insects are fucked. Yeah. (laughs) There could be a scene where, in fact, do we not hear a bug at some point in this? We hear a fly buzzing at some point, I think, in this episode. Really? Yeah. Why wouldn't we just hear a... As the bug explodes and about 280,000 angels pop yeah. out of it. Tiny little sorcerer's apprentice micro-angels yeah, just invading exactly. everything in the house. <laughs> wow. Pretty good. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good question. I like it. Okay. More? Do you want to pong-pong my ping-pings? Let's have one more question. Okay. But, always. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Hmm. He's selecting the absolute well, worst one podcast line. My no- brain isn't going to be able to sit down for a week. Hmm. <laughs> What about the picture of the angel on the lie detector? Yes. What about it? Why is it just a picture? Why is it just a sketch? Oh, did that not come to life at any point? Does it? There's a lot of angels down there. Maybe it got lost in the mix. I'm not sure it does come to life, because it seemed to me like that's the ultimate Trojan horse. You're an angel, and now you could just draw angels remotely? Great. Just draw an infiltration force. Done. Does it actually come to life? Maybe it does. Maybe I missed that. There is so much going on down there at that point. It's so chaotic, and they're Mm. under attack from so many different angles. I saw this twice, and it could well have popped up, but I... Maybe they didn't do the effect. I don't think it does. No. Unless it waits for every other angel to also just come down the stairs. Yeah. So, no, I don't think so. I think that might be the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, because at that point, Doc and Claire are coming out of their mind-meld universe or headspace. Oh, because Jericho throws a cup at them and there are just angels in the basement. But they could have come down the stairs. They could have come up out of the machine. Like I don't know. Hmm, yeah. They don't care to track them all at that point. Okay, yeah, that is also fair. I mean, I'm trying to catch this episode out. I really like this episode. I think it's a great yeah. episode. Okay. Yeah, we've got to have something to talk about other than... Oh, I can't can't record a podcast while I'm climaxing so hard. Okay, pong, 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 my ping, ping, pings, please. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to talk, first of all, about the direction. All right, okay. Because this this episode was directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. Mm -hmm. First broadcast, 21st of November, 2021. And he directed the first two as well. Okay. So, so far, he's three for three. (laughs) Yeah, well done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Has he directed anything else? Is this his first foray into Doctor Who? I believe he's directed a nut ton of New Who episodes, specifically in the Jodie era. Let's have a look. He directed Spyfall Part 1, 
Praxius, Ascension of the Cybermen, The Timeless Children, and The Power of the Doctor. Oh, interesting. Well, clearly a high-profile director. Yeah. Praxius, I don't remember standing out direction-wise necessarily. No. But the other ones, very exciting. Hmm, yeah. Very dynamic episodes. Yeah, pretty good hit rate. Yeah. And and here, from the very beginning, it's just like a director's showcase. It's just like, how close can I zoom in on this guy's face while retaining focus? It's a bit over the top, actually, if anything. You're almost living in his paws. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see him write down Claire Brown in its entirety. That's Claire with an I. That's very important. That doesn't come back. Why are we watching him write? <laughs> it's atmospheric. Yeah, I guess. It's... Ambience. Ambience is everything, dude. Uh, I think it was a little, little much. I really enjoyed the very, very gothic setting and aesthetics of this episode. And, oh, and much of that, I'm sure, is down to direction, it's down to writing, and it's down to the photography. I don't know who the director of photography is, yes. but they did a great job. Oh, absolutely. I and should credit them as well, yes. I just think it's an incredibly effective execution. Yeah. The episode opens, it must have been taken from a drone, the camera pans up above a house in a crepuscular environment and then everything is stylized for the whole cold open to the max for much of this episode everything that doesn't take place in sci-fi land is wonderfully stylized Mm -hmm. it could have been taken from a hammer horror movie oh definitely when the people are out especially in the cold open looking for little peggy no one is visible apart from as a silhouette against a horizon or backlit they are entirely darkened yeah so picture this i'm aware it's not the same time and it's a very different setting as such but if you think of the doctor dances which is also nighttime throughout right it's also meant to be very scary and it has a couple of humorous bits but it's mostly just there to make the audience shit itself yeah this does a better job. Mm. Much better job. I'm aware that, yes, it's not the Blitz and it's a little later and yeah, yeah, yada, 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 don't write in. But you know what I mean? Like, the mission statement is the same. Yeah, I'm going to cannibalize my review here. Okay. Because you've provided a better example than I did. I remembered episodes like Hyde and Night Terrors, where, as you say, their mission statement was entirely about creating an enveloping, claustrophobic atmosphere of horror and dread. And that was their sole purpose. And this episode outstripped them all while doing a whole lot else besides. Yeah, absolutely. The other episode that really does obviously resonate with this and uh, segue to Alderton is Villa Diodati. Yes. Also written by Maxine Alderton. Mm-hmm. How, which, it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like Maxine Alderton wrote perhaps most of this episode. It, it just feels tonally, it feels very much like Diodati and... And maybe Chib has provided some of the superfluous exposition towards the end. Or maybe he was the ideas man. Yeah, we can never know. We cannot ascribe to one or the other. Yeah, but if I had to say, well, actually, one part harkens back to something that someone else has written and whatever, something harkens back to something Chibbers has written, then it's the space stuff that really actually is handled pretty well, mm-hmm. which feels like Chibbers probably did that. You know, yeah. the Vinder subplot, the Bell subplot. It's very tastefully done when Azur suddenly shows up and speaks very calmly. It's like, oh, that's fucking hell. Like, yeah, you're, you're kind of nailing this subplot a little bit. Yeah. Mostly because you're barely doing it. Oh, I don't know. I think we should be fairer towards Chibbers at this point. He has delivered... I'm giving him a compliment, dude. I'm saying out of the last three episodes, two have been great. He's written maybe half of this one. So that's two and a half out of four. Like, yeah. Chibbers, like... No, Chibbers can... is nailing it. He, this is yeah. a home run. I'm trying not to be unfair here. I feel okay, like this okay. is actually like pretty... He's nailing it. No caveats, Chibbers. Unbridled praise. But the gothic shit feels very Villa Diodati, which Chibbers did not write. 
Yeah. Yeah. And coincidentally, Villa Diodati's writer also co-wrote this. So I feel like, actually, I'm going to say it's pretty likely that Maxine Olsen <laughs> is behind the village part of this episode. Yeah. Why not? All right. Pong me. Come on, man. Okay. I've got a question. Yeah. If you are trying to convince your local vicar that <laughs> something is amiss yes. in the graveyard, yeah. would you titillate his mathematical antennae <laughs> with uh-huh. the promise of a 93rd gravestone or would you say would you look at this whacking great six foot angel that you've never seen before and it's right in front of you not the only thing in this episode that is right in front of a character and that they don't see until it comes into frame <laughs> very much so <laughs> put a pin in that <laughs> several pins the massive list pin cushion of an episode yeah that's a super good point absolutely right also why would you wait until now Mm, the very night when, well, apparently everybody disappears. Yeah, why would you wait until now? Maybe she hasn't waited till now because when she's putting the stuff through people's letterboxes, the vicar knows who's done it, so she must have previous. Yes, yeah. Okay, how about this then? Would you not try to home alone the cemetery? (laughs) Oh, amazing! Wouldn't you just put mirrors all over the place and uh, (laughs) squeaky toys around every gravestone just in case one of them comes alive and then when it steps on it, it goes... And you're like... Fuck, the angels are here, you know? (laughs) Would you not Home Alone this place? Well, there's an angel on fire, much like Joe Pesci's hat in Home Alone already, so why not take it into the graveyard and have some fun with it? That is a freaking stunning scene, by the way. Oh, the fire angel. Holy shit. That angel that just, like, comes out of the... Oh, my God, so nice. And the way the doc... Well, Jodie Whittaker, the 13th Doctor, fully one as the other at this point. Like, no notes, Jodie. When she's like... Some notes. (laughs) For me, very few notes. Fine. (laughs) Just like, oh, no, I made it worse. And then just sets about what she needs to do. But it's like so well pitched yes that reaction oh, very much so I made note after note of things I liked about Jodie's performance in this episode okay just a slight tangent otherwise I'm not going to get this in when <laughs> when she jumps down like the last two or three stairs into Jericho's basement yeah it's not necessary it reminds me of the abundance of energy the seventh doctor had in Silver Nemesis, which I did watch Podcast Land and I meant to join, <laughs> where he's lying down and he's talking to Ace, and then he just launches into a backward roll to flip upright. Do you remember? He's just lying on the ground and then suddenly he's rolling backwards down the hill to like spring up. I don't remember it, but it does sound very seventh doctor. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just stuck in my mind. It's like this is something the doctor does. Like they're childlike, they're full of energy. Yeah, yeah. Does something similar in uh, is it time of the Rani? I don't know. Is it time of the Rani? Or a Mark of the Rani. I can't remember which one. Time of the Rani. Which one is the seventh one? Time of the Rani. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With Einstein et al. Isn't he just jumping up and down and running around slapsticky and oh, yeah, that's all his, over the place? That's his post-regeneration, though. He's going to be a bit... Wobbly. You know, sure. Sparky. Okay, bouncy. Yeah, exactly. Okay, bouncy! Sure. That's the word. They're both bouncy. I feel like Jodie is harking back to many previous Doctors in this, and you know where I'm going. I'm not entirely sure I know where you're going. Where are you going with this? Well, what if I turned things around, for instance? What if I reversed the polarity of of the the neutron neutron flow? flow. Yes, there is that. That is true. Yeah. Yep, yep. There's when I say run, run, which apparently is a Troutonism. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Reversing the polarity, certainly. Run, run, sure, maybe. It might also be a thing that pretty much everyone says in every horror or action movie ever. Ah, that's very true. But fair enough. Yeah, I get that. 
Where did you want to take this? <sighs> okay. All right. Okay. Fine. You want to play it that way, do you? All right. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Hang on. Wait. I'm going to have another look at my list. What is the time fracture daytime nighttime thing all about? Well, I guess the angels sent everyone back in time 66 years and 12 hours. No, no, no. As in, why in the middle of a field is time split? Oh! And they can see across the border into the future, or into the past, respectively. That is an excellent question. Is that ever explained? No further explanation is provided than quantum extraction. Yeah. I have a related question. Okay. Which is, why did the angels clear the village in 1901? Is it just so they would have somewhere empty to put their victims slash half the characters in this episode so they could talk with the other half? Oh my goodness, that is a good question. Never dawned on me. You're right. There's no point in it. No, they're the two flip sides of the same question. The same narrative device, which isn't sufficiently motivated. (laughs) We get to see an angel in 1901 as well. Yeah, they take care of Gerald and Jean for the final time. Yes. That's not the very end of the episode. It's near the end of the episode. What happens to that angel? Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> that's not a cliffhanger. Then cut to, they're in the middle of a field, I think. Yeah. How do they get away from that angel? Completely unmolested by said angel. It doesn't disappear. Well, it does, but we don't see it. Because here's a potential, not retro rewrite, but retro something. Okay. How about, Doc is turned into an angel at the end of this episode, right? Yes. How about right before she is fully angelified, like incarcerated by them, Mm -hmm. she manages to angel one of the angels and send it back to 1901. That angel turns into the angel that we get to see in 1901, and because that angel wants to survive, we'd have to shift the times a little bit, Mm -hmm. but because that angel needs to survive, like it wants to eat, basically, it goes through the villagers one by one, And sends them away. And that's why, coincidentally, the time that you would send someone back as an angel is empty. Because that's what that angel's done. It's just gone through the entire village until it's sort of starved to death. Yeah. There's definitely the germ of an idea there. Yeah. Hmm. What we end up with is a lot of... Eh? And I can only very tenuously connect it to what I think old Peggy says, Mrs. Harfoot or whatever her name is, Hawkwind or Hawkins. (laughs) Hayward, old Peggy Hayward. Uh She says that they like to leave a few behind because they're cruel and they like people to tell each other about the story. Which, A, is a complete retread of what we had from the lone Cyberman two or three or four episodes ago, where he's got the last human and he might not kill him. Instead, he's like, go and spread my reputation. I'm all about clicks and likes and retweets. (laughs) And B, if the angels like everybody to tell each other about the angels, why does nobody know about the angels? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Young Peggy says no one survives the second time. Nope. That means she's seen an angel trying to zap someone who's already been zapped back. Yes. Whom? The Reverend. (laughs) Because he's zapped back to 1901, we must assume. There's no one else. You're right, it must be the Reverend. What a cold-hearted fucking psychopath young Peggy is. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Isn't she just? Yeah. I get that the great uncle wasn't the kindest to you, but your great aunt has also just bought it and she was presumably fighting your corner and you don't show the slightest flicker of compassion. Yeah, she's not traumatized. She is numb. Mm. Like not even numbed, numb. Yeah. <laughs> so I said that I would check them off and I haven't checked them off. So we have some <laughs> questions answered, some questions unanswered. I yes, yes. All and right. I still have a couple more. All right. Well, let's hear one. 
Isn't it a bit weird that Azure doesn't know who Belle is when she and Swarm know everything about everyone else significant in the plot? In the Temple of Time, they are talking about Yaz's little pen marking on her hand. What would the Doctor do? And they know about Vinda's backstory and everything, basically, that Chibbers wants to repeat in that scene. Very true. And here she's standing atop the mountain and Belle is Vinda's life partner. She's met Vinda. Belle has some significance. And she's like, no, go away and bring more people for passenger. That will be your purpose. They know who she is, but they also know that she doesn't know who they are. Okay. Just theorizing. Maybe, maybe. So maybe they're still in a position to manipulate her. They know exactly what's going to happen. They know where her arc culminates. They know the end of Belle. They know the Belle end. Okay. (laughs) That's (laughs) really well done. Really working towards that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And they know that along the way, she's still gullible. She doesn't know who they are. She does know that the passenger form is to be avoided, though. Yes, that's true. I was going to say, she knows enough. But maybe it's still early days enough for Azure to implant a seed of doubts. Who knows? There's a chance maybe that Belle goes, oh, maybe I was wrong about this. Maybe, yeah, it is a prison, but maybe they're using this prison to ferry us to safety. Maybe, you know what? Actually, she seemed reasonable, that blue lady with a crack in her skull. (laughs) She seemed fine, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe Swarm and Azure do have some contact with the Grand serpent so they would know who vinder is because he was his lackey for a short time yeah and they would know who yaz is because the doctor's history with the vision blah 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 blah. tech tayun or sock whatever they're calling themselves these days but bell is one step further removed so maybe she's just beyond the horizon of their perception and so they are just working on her like she's any other pleb in the universe. But even if they do know who she is, if they reckon it's fine, we can get her to send us more recruits because we need yeah, yeah. someone to do it. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy that she's talking to, whatever his name is, I've forgotten his name. You know, the guy she rescues. Mr. Pisano. Mr. Pisano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not going to go out into space and recruit more people for them, right? No, that's not something Namaka would do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well played. Yeah. Okay, question about that scene. Okay. This is not one of my questions, but this is just dawn on me. Why? <laughs> oh, Azor and Passenger just yeah. going from planet to planet and harvesting people? Is this the best way to do it? Is this the best use of her time? It doesn't seem like it. And also, you remember last week, I was annoyed by the Doctor saying, Oh, I just need to repeat what I did the first time, the second time, and that'll work the same way again. Yeah. This is exactly what Azure and Swarm did the first time. They got a load of passenger forms with hundreds of thousands of hostages in to show how bloodthirsty they were, or as leverage, whatever predominated in terms of (laughs) impulse in any particular second, even though they're completely diametrically opposed. So they're just repeating themselves as well. Is nobody learning from their prior mistakes? No, no Uh, is the answer. No, (laughs) no, I don't think so. You are right. Namaka. Namaka? Namakarena. (laughs) When Vinda shows up, why does he go, I think she saved my life? Why does he change his mind? Mm. Maybe he had a good think about it. He just cooled out. He chilled and rethought things. He is learning from his past mistakes. Is learning from other people's past mistakes? Maybe, although he would have had no evidence at all that they're not in utopia slash safe haven galaxy, whatever. Hmm. How is he surviving? How is he coping in that half a planet with a third of a moon and a quarter of a star? Yeah, oh, so this is also actually among my questions. So what (laughs) is a quarter of a sun? Mm. What is a third of a moon? What is that? 
How can anyone survive on such a planet? Half the planet is gone, I think he says. Oh, there's only half the planet is left. Uh, you know, our local star is only half there or a quarter there. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. You've either frozen to death or burned alive. <laughs> either way, you're not around to tell the tale. Yeah, I'm trying to think through the physics of... Also, there's no gravity. Well, yeah. <laughs> Would a smaller star require a smaller planet in roughly the same orbit? Is the orbit not going to be affected by this? Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if someone's done some clever calculations and been like, okay, if we cut the sun into a quarter, what do we need to reduce the planet by to keep the orbit stable? I feel like that part of the episode was written by <laughs> Roland Emmerich. Did you watch Moonfall? Moonfall is a freaking incredible film. Did you watch it? Incredible as in, how did this get made? Oh yeah, no, it absolutely did feature on how did this get made. It's yeah. so freaking bad. It is, what? You, fuck it, I might watch it tonight again. It's so great. Uh-huh. And at no point would it work. At no, no. point. No, 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 no. If the moon moves half an inch, then we all, our balls explode. Like it just it doesn't work. We are not going to survive, right? If the moon moves half an inch, are you talking about real life? No, you know what I mean. Like if, if the orbits are radically shifted yeah, to the point yeah, where, yeah. let's say, the moon is approximately two kilometers away. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're not going to survive. No, no, no one is going to survive. We've that. seen the end of Majora's Mask. It ends badly. The end of what? Majora's Mask is a Zelda game. Oh, okay. The moon crashes into Hyrule. Oh, no, but isn't it scary? So if the sun here... Yeah, anyway, it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Namaka, no, no. you are dead. That whole <laughs> sequence is a dream sequence. That whole sequence is just... Bell is having a Jacob's Ladder scenario. They're all dead. Okay, next <laughs> question. How did Vinda get there? Because he was just abandoned on the planet at the end of the last episode with yeah. absolutely nothing to fend for himself with. Yeah, this did dawn on me as well. At the start, I thought, oh, is this the planet that they left him on? Like, mm. is, is that what happened? But it wasn't, right? They left him on his home planet, I think, or their yeah. home planet. Yes. Not in the place they expected to go on honeymoon. No. Okay, sub-question. <laughs> Do you think... Okay, all right, okay, okay. Okay, fucking hell, god damn it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you bring a lot of effort into your formulations tonight. Okay, you're married. I am, thanks for noticing. You went on a honeymoon. I did. If you and your wife... Hi, Abby. Were ever separated. Ah. And you made your way back to each other. Yes. Would you just assume that you would meet where you honeymooned? Or would you go, right, I'm going home. If not there, I'm going to where her family is. Where my family is. Where whatever. That would would all be the same planet. Yeah, but it's all relative, right? So for us here, we're talking cities or countries. Yeah. Continents, maybe. And for them, it's planets because they've got interplanetary travel. So yeah. it's a it's all relative. It's he, fine. He would tick off the home planet. He would head to the academy planet. Yeah, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe mm. seems a bit far fetched. Yeah. Oh, you know where I'm going to find Belle. I know. He's got a really long like shopping list of destinations. And next on the list is like, well, if she's not a Pisano, then she's going to be that place where we got a nice cappuccino that one time. <laughs> going to go to that place. <laughs> I better check Tripadvisor dot Cosmos. Like, <laughs> This isn't even where they honeymooned, because this is where they were going Going to to go on honeymoon, yes. But instead, they fucked all night, rampant like rabbits. That's right. In the cubicle hotel opposite the academy. Windows open. That's where he would go. Yeah. The place where they had their one magical night. The place where the hazard tape is still strung across the door because no one wants to go in there and clean up. Yeah, thank goodness the flux went through that place because otherwise it still would have smelled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That 
that's where you go look for her. Yeah. Can I just say... Okay, yeah. It was such a bad end to the episode. We had had a fantastic cliffhanger. The fourth fantastic cliffhanger in a row. This one might be the top one. The angel in the TARDIS was great. And another angel-related cliffhanger. How could they do that? Wait, they did the one thing you never thought they would do. The Doctor is petrified. She is entombed in angel stuff. It's... She has sprouted her wings. Oh, that's the best and worst bit. Oh, my goodness. And she's just covering her eyes. Yeah. Zoom out a little bit. Pan back, whatever the term is. Cut. Credits. Yeah. Let them roll with the muted kind yeah, of exactly. theme rather than the like, oh, oh, crap. Like, this is a low. This is the end of Act 2 crisis point. What could be? Wait, what? What's happening now? Why is the screen digitizing? Oh, this? They couldn't fit this in 20 minutes ago? hey oh, And <laughs> uh, apparently not. Instead, let's have a thing to legitimize that entire subplot. Okay, Vinda finds a voicemail machine. Would you not take that voicemail machine? He just leaves it. He watches the message, and then he leaves the thing in the rock. Why? Because Belle entirely fails to tell him anything useful. Yeah, it's the worst message anyone's ever left for anyone. (sighs) Okay, how about this then? Why would she leave the message there? Why would she leave it there? Because I guess they're pretty simpatico. And so where she's been, he will eventually turn up. And she kind of knows that because, I don't know, they finish each other's orgasms or something. Pisano, is that the planet? Yes. Well, it's only half a planet now. It's, it's only half a planet. It's not a city or a town or a village or a square no. or a room or a <laughs> dartboard with a target in the middle of it, a bullseye where she could leave that message. She leaves it on the planet. Yeah. There's no tracker. He doesn't go there and go, oh, beep, beep, brrr, beep. Oh, here it is. Here's my voicemail. He goes and finds Macarena. What's her name? Tacoma. Namacarena. Namacarena. And Namacarena goes, hi. No, no, no. And he says, hey, Namacarena. (laughs) And Namacarena goes, (laughs) (laughs) And, and says, oh, yeah, I think maybe she saved my life. Go over there. It's elsewhere. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to say, go around the corner, under a bridge, up a hill, somewhere in the rock face, you'll find there's a voicemail message. I swear I haven't listened to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not coming with you, not because I can't watch it without laughing at how <laughs> stupid and inept she is. That's not part of what's going on no, here. No, it's there. You know what? It's so obvious you're never going to miss it. And then, <laughs> oh. and then Vinda walks to some other random part of this entire planet yeah. and finds a voice. Why would she leave it there? Why would you? Okay, you know what else? Don't go anywhere. Just stay there. You are leaving a message here because you think he's going to come here for that message. So stay there and he will meet you instead of your shit message. Does that not make more sense? Uh, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? She's assuming that he's tracing her steps. But, but, this isn't quite a prisoner's dilemma, but what if they both thought that? They both sat tight and were like, I'm going to wait for the other one to find me. Then nobody is ever finding anyone. Okay, how about this then? You are trying to record a message. You realize, shit twinkles, I didn't get the coordinates in. Yeah. I'm just going to leave this half a message in a rock face where coincidentally he's going to stumble upon it. Would you or would you not <laughs> draw the fucking coordinates on the rock face next to the message? By the way, PS, addendum, here, this is what I meant to say. Yeah. Or with my intergalactic spacecraft, I'd go and get another one and come back. No, it can't. And re record the message. Doesn't work. No, no. You no. only get one shot. Yep. 
<laughs> it's not like it runs out of bats. Like, it still works. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But all that utter, just imbecilic yes. carry-on aside. Yeah, great episode. <laughs> no, I wanted to say that I really hate the mid credit scene. Because yeah. I want the TV show framework of Doctor Who to intrude as little as possible on this closed little universe I am having trouble suspending my disbelief <laughs> in for however many minutes at a time. I don't see how this possibly adds anything to any episode, let alone one where they've just staged maybe one of the greatest cliffhangers in 60 years. Yeah. And you were just reading from that. And you don't get to enjoy that moment. It's just like, oh, wait, is this the D plot? Maybe the E plot? And that's what we're ending. Yeah, this is an E plot. This is a plot E. This is a plot. That's what this is. (laughs) I'm with you. You are right. They had the perfect cliffhanger and they squandered it. Yeah. That is unfortunate. And then you add that I'm going to fill my limited time with an exasperating preamble on top of all of that. It's like... (laughs) There were two writers in this episode. Could one not have turned to the other and said... Well, I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. You you did say, be fair. (laughs) You did say. Okay, yeah, right. (laughs) Say no more. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so my next note in my notes... Yes. ...has nothing to do with this. I felt that John Bishop's acting as Dan here... ...was just shown up to be pretty limited. Yes, yes. I've made a note very much to that effect. I can't remember where, but somewhere it might be my little mini-mini. Yeah, he's barely in it. As in, when he's on screen, he's barely on screen. He is relying so much on everyone else to do something. But he's given a fair chunk of lines. Yeah, but he doesn't emote them. He just intones them. I'll tell you why it feels to you like he doesn't emote them. Because he delivers them in the exact same way from the beginning of the episode to the end. Yeah. At the beginning, he's like, I can't believe there's an angel right in front of me. And then it's like, yes, why are we in 1901? And that's the whole thing. I think you just emoted more than he does. I think he normally (laughs) is really very reserved. He's reserved and sort of disappointed. It's just like, oh, are we ever going to get back? Oh, that's another thing. Why, when he was like, die, I'll find you. I don't care. I'll be like Vinda Plus. Vinda with Liverpool attitude. And in this episode, it's not Yaz, how do we get back to our present and save Die? She's been forgotten again. It's oh, yeah, like, no, this is written at a time when Die wasn't a character. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's purely the 100 years in the past problem. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, what happens when they try to repopulate this village? Because they do. I don't mean Dan and Yaz. Oh! Um, I mean, like, (laughs) at some point, people move back to this village. The village has been emptied of people, right? Yeah. There's just a girl there who's just going to stick around, adopt a fake identity, and... Maybe just glom on to a childless couple who want to silently adopt in a nice, easy way. Is it that she doesn't want to leave the village? When Dan and Yaz show up, she says... We're not supposed to leave this village. We're not supposed to go too far outside of the city center or whatever it is, she says. And then we just turn the camera around and they go, oh my goodness, how did this happen? Oh yeah, you're standing on the edge of the fucking universe right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, planet. There's no planets beyond where you're standing right now. This is Dark Village. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it seems very much like that's why she says we're not supposed to leave the village. Because there is nothing outside of this village. The Earth is just not present. Yeah, it's increasingly not present. The village is shrinking. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that we're going to find out next time what happens because in present day or in the 1960s rather the village is not dark villaged 
It's no. not the 13th floor. It I, is... I believe we never return to the village. I think what will happen next episode, yeah. going on memory and just how Doctor Who in this era works and the lazy shortcuts it takes, we will reunite with Yaz and Dan and Jericho. Years have passed. Years have passed. Yeah. Peggy is nowhere to be seen. She's right. presumably living in the village. Well, the... that was going to be my question. So when she... I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. But so she says, we aren't supposed to leave the village. I'm reading into that because there's nothing outside the village. If we leave the village, we are in space and we're dead. Yes, until is... the quantum extraction is over, then the angels return it and then yeah. she's sort of time locked into this loop where she has but, to <gasps> but is that why she is still in the village yeah. 60 years later yeah is that why yeah it's bootstrap paradoxing it but is no but she has to be there because she was there in 1901 no. because in 1901 she was there in 1967 no but why would she need to see herself through the unexplained time fracture thing she wouldn't need to she could just be sent back to 1901 the earth expands beyond this village again. I mean, Dan and Yaz, they F off. Yeah. And Prof, they become the new fam with Yaz as the dog. Peggy doesn't need to stay there. She can go and live a life elsewhere. But if she's not still there in 1967, then she hasn't talked to herself in 1901 but, and time but, but, splits. Yeah, and blah, but blah, blah. she wouldn't see herself through the fracture. She would look through the fracture. She wouldn't be there as an old lady. They would maybe see Doc turned into an angel. <laughs> The time fracture closes again. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. I guess we're here now. All right. Well, uh, Yaz, Dan, and Prof F off and have an adventure. Peggy goes into foster care and is probably <laughs> in a different village. Like, she wouldn't stay in an empty village with no one freaking else. Why is she still there? Because people can smell a bargain. And they... <laughs> No, but it seems as though she's staying there to fulfill some sort of prophecy and, like, solve a problem. But she yeah. doesn't solve the problem. The closest she gets is to tell the vicar, by the way, count the gravestones. If she has seen the vicar <laughs> get pulverized in 1901 as a child, she knows that that's not going to suffice. Yeah. Oh, so why, good point. So why is that the only thing she does? Why in 1960-whatever-it-is yep. does she not go... I know that there are angels over there. I know that this stone thing, blah, blah, blah. I can fucking fix this. I can Bill and Ted the whole goddamn thing. Why doesn't she... She doesn't even try, is my point. Yes, but that would be to put too much exposition at the front of the episode, and the vicar would think she was crazy because vicars only believe very sensible things. And so leave Does now the is the best option on a piece of paper that she can think of. I don't know. I think both Peggy's survive. I think the quantum extraction is complete. The angels leave with the Doctor, and none of this will be in any way answered in episode five. <sighs> I know it. I would. I am bet, sure you're right. I would bet forty p on it. Uh, dude, I'm not going to lose forty p. I, I, I know you're right. <laughs> Okay, can I ask a related question? Yes. If you had a premonition, if that's what it is, and you had a Google printout about a particular date. Yes. When that date comes around, would you just act like it's any day of the week, of the year, of the decade, of the century? Or would you maybe take some precautions? Maybe assume, holy shit, today's the day. I'm not going to go to therapy with a professor. I'm not going to do something. (laughs) I'm going to sit at home and have anxiety attacks, or I'm going to do whatever it might be. I know that today is the day. You know what? I'm going to join forces with the other woman in this village who knows exactly what shit is going to go down, and we're going to join forces, and I'm going to corroborate her story, and we're going to convince some people. Fuck! I had not thought about that. She's in the same village as someone else who knows. Oh, damn! Oh. Yep, that revelation deserves a drink. Oh, yeah, chin chin. Okay. Uh, All right. Question for you. Yeah. (laughs) 
You did promise me seven bajillion, so I yeah, should cease I, to be surprised. I've got way more. All right. Can I ask you the question about something that isn't in this episode? Yes, you teased it so long ago. So we... You are right. We do get two years of... The companions have their own little adventures. I can't remember what happens to Doc or how Doc escapes. Or I don't. No, that, that is completely separate. But all we need to know is that Yaz has become the Doctor and now she's also going to become Indiana Jones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In fact, she even dons clothing that is like, very adventurous. And yeah, I remember this. This is pretty good stuff. And actually, I think I remember Prof being really quite charming. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, possibly a better Graham. I loved Graham. Oh. But he might be. There's only one Graham. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get yeah, to, we'll get, we'll get we'll get to, get to It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are separated from Doc. Yeah. You remember those times when you could summon the Doc, River could summon the Doc anywhere and anywhen simply by just leaving a message that only Doc would understand. Yes, flippin' heck, Vinder was just given a means to summon the Doc at the end of the very last episode. Yeah, here's a beeper. Yaz doesn't have a beeper. Okay. Obviously, Dan doesn't have a beeper. <laughs> like, no. if anything, Dan gets a beeper that works in opposite. Like, it's just a reversed beeper. If Dan <laughs> summons you, you go elsewhere. Yeah, she reversed the polarity of the beeper flow. Exactly. I guess what I'm getting at is, if you are one of Doc's companions, and you're separated across time and space from Doc, all you need to do is go to the local town square and scream, the Daleks are coming, the Daleks are coming, and then wait for a headline to be printed about local mad person shouts about something called a Dalek. We don't know what that is. Bing bong! TARDIS arrives. Doc yep, is there. Like, exactly. Oh yeah, it's you. Hi. So the TARDIS, as much as the Doctor, will direct the Doctor there. Yep. Doc found River just by virtue of River writing Hello Sweetie in Aramaic or something, or on the, vandalizing on... a museum exhibit or whatever it is. I thought it was like graffiti on the cliff of Planet One. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. I know that. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. I guess my point is it shouldn't be that difficult for Doc to find people. We don't know what is taking place with Doc next week, but of course, because the time traveler element, no. No, it really no. shouldn't. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. I'm happy with it. I like this episode. Okay. Yeah. Does the angel that double crosses the doctor actually know all about the Doctor's divisional history? Or is this just a plot concocted in league with the Division of Angels from the start, and this is always its intent? Well, it's presented here as though that angel, the one inside Claire... Yes, the rebel angel, the fallen angel, whatever you want to call it. I like fallen angel, that's pretty good. It is presented as though what it said was genuine. Yes. Claire says it has already negotiated a deal with the rest of the angels. She does, but I will call you back to the beginning where Jericho is measuring her possession and she sits bolt upright in the chair and the angel through her says there will be no escape, not for her, not for them, not for you. So at that point, the angel has already made clear that the doctor will not escape, assuming the doctor is for her. Yes, that is true. So what I think is this episode is trying to have it both ways. Yeah. And it's just trying to throw you off the scent by means of ambiguity by writing mutually exclusive possibilities. Yeah, I think you're right. Which is a bit annoying. Yeah. Not the only time that this episode tries to have it both ways. But yeah, you are absolutely right. That's interesting. I had absolutely interpreted it as, yeah, no, it's a rebel and it knows that it can't get away. So now it's decided to be in league with the other angels to help them trap Doc and therefore secure its own release. But then again, yeah, yeah. like, why? what does it do that the other angels don't already do? Would Doc not already be captured? That rebel angel doesn't actually affect anything, right? Not really. No. Surrounded by tons of other angels doc has been in a fucking weirdo pervert tunnel convenient oh, perv yeah. tunnel mm. very convenient perv tunnel oh my god 
goodness, did you not see that there's a convenient perv tunnel in this house? Oh, shit, no, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Oh, that is poor. Yeah. But poor Jodie. That is poor and poor Jodie, because when she has to say, don't you read your own floor plans? And she has to force a smile, being like, I gave five years of my life to the lines like this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right there. And it's also the biggest feature. Yeah. The most conspicuous feature he, on that floor plan. Also, he lives in this house and he spends a lot of his time in the basement. Like, it, it seems yeah. as though he would have noticed this by now. Yeah, yeah, but, might have caught his eye. But anyway, Doc has, at this point, already been captured by the angels. Yes. Claire isn't anywhere around there. Even when Doc goes, why are you not going after me, angel dude? Why? I'm not even looking at you. You could go after me. You know, that creepy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Doc's deliberately blinking at it. Yeah. There is no Claire to be seen. It's not like Claire is there or Claire's angel is there going, come here, this place is safe. And then Doc goes, oh, fuck, I'm going to get away from the other angels and go and hang out with Claire and her buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Claire is upstairs, outside, surrounded by the entire phalanx. Yeah. If anything, Claire and her angel are boned AF. There is if, no... if it's true that they are seeking it. Yes, that is true. Presum- yeah, exactly. Presumably Claire is boned AF. Yeah. There is a question in my mind, what would happen if Claire has already been zapped once? Yeah. If the angel was inside her when she was zapped again, would that be a casualty? Would that also be part of the disintegration? Like, it's a construct of her mind, so would it not be able to escape as that mind is destroyed? Would she be disintegrated and that angel be sent back to 1901? Oh, yeah, maybe. Is that the angel? Yeah, I think we're playing dominoes at this point. Is that the angel? Oh! uh, The 1901 angel? Uh, I don't know. It could be. It might just be a solo mission for one of the division. I don't know. Before we leave the scene, I just want to draw attention to the Doctor's final pitch. Yeah. She's talking to all the angels. She's like, all right, you've got what you came for. I want you to take your rogue angel out of Claire without harming her and put this village, these people, safely back into their lives. Can they? Yes, because they're the extraction team, and that must be eventually what happens for the village to be returned to reality, to the timeline. But then immediately after that, she says, come on, rogue angel. So now she's talking to the rogue angel itself. She was saying to the division, you're in charge of the rogue angel. You make this happen. Then she's like, come on, rogue angel. Tell them to do that, and I'll negotiate a deal between them and you. And that last bit that I read out, I am certain was added later because we're panning up over the whole scene from behind. You don't see Jodie reading that out. And they thought they needed to add that line in because none of it makes any fucking sense. But it makes it make even less sense. Like, neither of those halves make a shit of sense. No, you're right. (laughs) But it's all happening so quickly and it's so delicious and the visuals are so juicy that it it slips by. It's ambience over substance. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're right. I really like this episode. I really like it too, but do you see why I'm not giving it a 4.9? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) you're right. Absolutely. Ball hammer. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Another question for you. Okay. Agnabbit. I really like this episode. I've got two things, actually. Ooh, brilliant. So one is, you know, the vicar. Yes. Reverend Shaw. Reverend Shaw was balding. Mm -hmm. Do you know what he could have done with? No. Some Rogaine gel. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Horrible. Oh, uh, wow. I'm so sorry, everyone. Okay, here's the actual thing I was going to say. <laughs> so, in 1901, yeah. the same village, but in 1901, is yeah. emptied of people. Uh-huh. 
But not chickens. Not chickens. The angels don't give a shit about chickens. No, they're like, what are we going to do? If we send a chicken back 50 or 60 years, that chicken is going to live 60 years. It already has no potential, you know. Anyway, (laughs) are we presupposing that they are sending everyone from 1901 back another 50 or 60 years? I suppose so, yes. So why isn't there a corresponding story about how an entire village worth of people (laughs) suddenly appeared... In the 1850s. Exactly. Yeah. And why they weren't driven out of town because they were taken to be travellers or something. (laughs) Travellers swarm, descends upon Mediton. Yes. I think the Daily Mail was around back then. Probably. Sounds like a Daily Mail uh, (laughs) column, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because that feels very... I've asked you this before. You haven't seen Dark, have you? No. Oh, freaking watch Dark, man. If Netflix goes bust... You know what? At least they made it as far as making Dark. <laughs> okay. It's so incredibly good. And this, in many ways, feels very dark. All right. You know what? I think the line, it's happening again in this exact context, yeah. happens in Dark. I see. Yeah. Episode one, I'm sure. Or trailer, even. I'm sure I'm not putting anything there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, feels like if this is happening again, then this is happening in waves going backwards, because that's yes. how the angels operate. So we should have something in 1840 or 1850. Why don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I I guess that's all I'm saying. Yeah, they just need to disguise the ripple effects at that point and hope that you don't think about it too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Can I bring in some positives? Yes. I liked how they got rid of the angel in the TARDIS. Okay, it's sticking some wires together, but the dimensional compression, getting rid of the quantum beings, I'm prepared to buy that. Around that, I like Doc's list of, well, here's the only problem. And here's the other only problem. And here's the third only problem. (laughs) (laughs) And then they get to 1967 and she sniffs Gerald's coat and she's like... We're in 1949 because he's such an old, musty (laughs) coot. Yeah. Yeah. You've had that code for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. No, it's very good. And then she acts really well when she's got the super hot Sonic and she's juggling it. She's going, ooh, ah, ee, ah, ooh. Yeah. Another fantastic Doctor moment when she goes, oh, well, your door was open. Prof says, no, it wasn't. It's like, oh, it certainly was not. She's like, well, it was after I opened it. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Great bit. My note is I have a little fist curl of delight that Doc clearly broke it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of really stupendously well-written stuff in this episode. Yeah. Fantastic bands between Doc and... Actually, prof mostly. <laughs> well, there's a bit at the beginning when Yaz asks a pertinent question, like the TARDIS is broken, time's out of sync. How can you be sure this works? And yeah. they're talking about the element of risk. And she's like, well, yeah, pretty big. I mean, the only element, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it all happens so quickly. Oh, it's just lovely. Yeah. That is the first instance, by the way, of Dan emoting exactly at the same level as everywhere else. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Doc is terrific. Mm. Really. Like I say, no notes. Uh, Okay, you know, you know what? <laughs> I only have one arm that is... Her mm. arms are fucking all over the place at this point. Oh, uh, right. No, wait. I have two notes. Left arm and right arm. <laughs> no, it's... First off, she clearly studied at the school of arm acting. Second note, this is not necessarily her fault, but I still don't really buy all these overlong historical character name drops. Oh, the George Eliot one was clumsy. They're always way too long. Whenever she does this, they're way too long. And I just don't buy it. It feels so ham-fisted. So for that reason, note, sorry. But otherwise, she's great. Jodie Whittaker is doing a terrific job. Well done, Jodie. But Jodie Whittaker can't... I mean, I guess she could turn around and say, can we get this done in half the time? (laughs) kind of feel like she's at the writer's mercy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that this is necessarily her fault. No. There is a script. That script is to be acted out, and unfortunately, that's it. 
But this is consistently how the name dropping happens with her. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith, I remember, it was a very pithy, quick, quick one-liner. Yes, and he usually did it while spinning around on the way to something else, and we just have time for Eamon Rory to glance at each other, and boom, the next thing is happening. Yeah. Capaldi, I think, very similar as well. There wasn't that sensation that, oh, Doc is manufacturing fabricating a set of dialogue circumstances that would enable them to reveal that they once met a celebrity. Yes, it is very contrived. Yeah. Anywho, yeah, it doesn't matter. Still like it, still like it. She's Mm -hmm, great. mm -hmm. Okay, so I was talking about the Bell subplot. Yeah. I found that they cut to it at the worst times. There was like a double-edged sword with how they constructed this episode. Remind me when we cut to it. Well, there is one time we cut to it right after the angel inside Claire's head reveals that it has some division material to proffer. Yeah. And then instantly we're back on Bell's planet. The doctor barely gets a half a second to react. We see a flicker of shock and then boom, it's Bell. And it sort of punctuates the one plot, but it also makes the other, it kind of reveals it as anticlimactic. It's like, okay, you're gasping. Here's the next thing. But the next thing can't possibly be as good. And it isn't. So it just seems a bit Mm. of a weird choice. I see what you're saying. It happens a couple of times in this episode. Yeah, we cut back to Belle on a couple of occasions. Yeah. And it's always and just after a, oh, wow, oh, we're here. It's exactly like the Vinder <laughs> mid credit sequence. Kind yeah, of yes. Yeah. With the exception of the very final one, I mean, I would say, I think, if anything needs to be cut from this, it is literally everything outside of this village. Everything else should just not be part of this episode, because that yeah. is such a perfect storyline in itself. Yeah. Keep it. And if you need to, cut within timelines within the village, because they're all as claustrophobic as each other. That's the only thing that we should... Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter when it is, as long as it is in this village, so it is contained within that narrative bubble, I'm all for it. As soon as we leave this planet, it turns to dog shit. And... Again, I have theories as to who wrote what, but doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, anywho, with that said, I accept that we have that subplot this season and we have to somehow entertain what happens to Vinda, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But But, you say that we are not tagging along with Joseph Williamson at any point this week, are we? That's true. Or Die. Or Dog Guy. Yeah, or Carvanista. But we know that Die is in Passenger. Yes. Or Grand Serpent. Or Grant, you are right. Yeah, there's so much happening in this season that it's actually impossible to have everything in it. Yeah, You are right. So there's I guess lo- they had to make a choice of what five minutes of material do we put alongside this so we can keep five and six <laughs> less than two hours each. Well, just skip Belle and Vinda <laughs> yeah. in this episode. If you need to, put the Belle and Vinda thing, have them be a mid and post credit sequence next time. Yeah, Or maybe. put them in the middle of the next episode. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But Who does give a shit? And also, why on the recap do you go back to that line of you're a beautiful as yet unborn child? It's like, oh, that was the worst line of that entire episode. (sighs) It's the as yet unborn child thing. That is not a thing anybody would say anywhere in the universe. That most likely true. You're right. That is only there so that when we see the mid-credit sequence with Vinda, we go... There is value to this character. Yeah. Papa Bear's coming. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That is the only reason. I mean, it's there to show like, oh, yeah. So Belle is Preggers and Vinda has people who care about him. Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. I'm going to root for this guy. He seems fertile. 
Let's say we cut Bell and Vinda and that intro line from the previously on Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You now have an extra two and a half to three minutes. What do you fill those two and a half to three minutes with? Well, I still want to cut. I still want to cut some of that exposition in the third act. I want to cut those two lines I just thought and just have the Doctor facing down the angels and then that proceeds much more quickly. Okay, so now you're up to two minutes and 40 seconds to three minutes <laughs> and 10 seconds. What do you add in? Because otherwise well, the BBC doesn't know what to do with itself. Maybe they don't nothing. Do maybe nothing. This was another 55 minute episode. They've added 10. Oh, that is true. Actually, it's long. So yeah. why not just make it the perfect 51 minute episode? So, yeah. No, that's fair. That's a very fair suggestion. Hmm. So, sorry, we had a pin and I'm looking at a note. They oh. only see it's night when it's right in front of them. I was literally just going to say, <laughs> can we please talk about everything that they missed that is just outside of frame? <laughs> hit me, hit me, hit me. First, flip tits. Seriously, we're walking down a path and we don't know that the earth is done. There is no more earth. There's no more planets. There's no more yeah. ground. It's all the fucking Milky Way <laughs> right in front of us. Yeah. Really close proximity. <laughs> the beautiful Cadbury chocolate purple of space is enveloping us. Yeah, that happens too often. Yes, it happens to Gerald and Jean. Yes. When the sign falls over a mere five or six paces in front of them. Yeah. Into the void. Also, it doesn't matter if it's five or six paces in front of them. If it were freaking 500 kilometers in front of them, they would go... There is something really odd about this planet that I've never noticed before. Yeah, the horizon doesn't behave that way typically. Exactly. Let alone in this village where we have presumably lived our entire lives and know better than anywhere else. Yeah. Let's just walk towards infinite space. No probs. Absolutely no probs. No, I I didn't see it because I was being crappy. Okay, pin. Pin, by the way, pin. Okay. okay. Pin. What else is there? There is Yazdan and... Peggy. Yes. Child actor who should not have been cast. Mm. <laughs> with the exact same situation. Yeah. Oh no, what the earth is gone. Oh blah blah blah. Yeah. Why uh, is it night right in front of my face? <laughs> yeah, when they walk through a freaking field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not even hidden behind a tree line that disintegrates or no. something. So much sense. Like the trees fall down and night is revealed behind them. That would yeah. also be quite a nice visual. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, mm. Yeah. Also, wait, hang on. Is this field in the middle of the village? It could be. Who are you to say how rural planning should be conducted? I'm only thinking because it seemed as though they were leaving the village and then they look ahead oh. and they see the village in front of them through yeah. the night time fracture well, thingy. Well, sometimes, honestly, in a lot of villages, the church is set a little way away. Okay, yeah, fair enough. What else is there? Is there another one as well? I feel like there is more. I feel like there is absolutely more. Angels. Presumably there are angels that aren't spotted until they're yeah, right Yeah, I think that's exactly it, actually. I have a question about the angels, which is, the doc is telling Jericho, yeah. keep your eye on them and shut the front door. And Jericho turns around and says, well, why would I need to do that? And he turns around and the angel is right there. Was the doc saying, don't blink. And then she had to shut her eyes to be like, that's what you get. That's what you get if you blink, you bastard. Because <laughs> otherwise the angel's stuck where it was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe she's a silent sneezer. That's the one bit of this episode. It's <laughs> like, hey, there's an educational component. By the way, you can't sneeze with your eyes open. Fuck, what a missed opportunity. I had a massive sneeze attack today. Yeah. And I didn't try to sneeze with my eyes open. I'm going to, no, actually, oh, fuck. I just got a weird feeling in my stomach that maybe your eyes pop out when you try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, gross, gross bath. <laughs> I don't think that can be true because otherwise your eyelids would be stretched. Like you, would, you would feel <laughs> the, oh, the contact, uh, the G-forces. Like, 
Yeah. Oh my god, your, bath. Your eyelids would be drooping down around your chin if they were the only thing keeping the uh, eyes in their sockets. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Makes it very hard to <laughs> withstand an angel attack. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I dropped a pin before. Yeah, go on. Pin me. What are they called? Gene and Gerald? Yes, Gerald and Gene. Gerald and Gene, Gene and Gerald. We're in the forest. We're at the edge of space. Yes. Well, I never. There's a vandal playing some sort of prank on us. Come on, let's pick up this statue and bring it back to where I'm sure we remember seeing it. So we're going to take it back to the... Wait, would you try to tidy up the forest if you've just found that the planet ends right in front of your feet? <laughs> I would you put those two things together. Would no. you not panic the shit out of your pants? Or ass, rather. Would you not panic the shit out of your ass and just go, nothing makes sense anymore. This used to be a world that I could wrap my head around. Now it is not. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. Also, just said five minutes ago, they lived in this village all their lives. They know that graveyard probably better than the Reverend. They've been there way longer than he has. Kick this interloper off into the void. That's the other thing that no one notices until it's right in front of them in frame. It's the 19th gravestone that isn't even a gravestone. The 93rd, yeah. 93rd, sorry. Yeah. Dear. And Haywood is just as much a psychopath in that timeline because she's like, cavil at my mode of trying to scare people away, will you? Well, you can just be destroyed. (laughs) Absolutely, again, zero compassion. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Thanks. Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, there's more? All right, let's hear it. No, no, I want to talk about Kevin McNally. I swear my mind went to Kevin McAllister. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it did. He played Eustatius Jericho. Where do we recognize him from? I recognize him from something. He has a prior Doctor Who connection. Really? He was in The Twin Dilemma with Colin Baker. Yes. Yes, he was. Whom does he play? Hugo Lang. No freaking way. I'm looking at a picture of him. Yeah. That's mad bananas. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I have a question about this and this trivia. Do you think the angels talking back to him in his own voice, i.e. twinning his voice and <laughs> and giving him a dilemma? It, uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, is it some way? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, wouldn't it be juicy, though? <laughs> I would like to see him have a completely unnecessary wardrobe change in this episode. Is that what happens in The Twin Dilemma? Yeah, in The Twin Dilemma, there's like, holy smokes, life, the universe, time, and everything is at stake, as per usual. Just like it is every week. Yep. I'm in the TARDIS. Oh my god, I can't believe there's such a thing as the TARDIS and time travel exists. And oh, oh my goodness, nothing makes sense. There's a wardrobe here. I'm going to spend some time picking out a nice glittery outfit. Yeah, see what resources are available to me. <laughs> this is wait, yep. oh. That's him, all right. This is him during the episode. Okay. This is him inexplicably having changed his clothes. Oh, wow. For no reason whatsoever. So good. Well. Such, such a good scene. I mean, if you were suddenly afforded all the perks of space. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah you and, would. And you absolutely would. Infinite designers. Wow. Of we, course. We need to talk about Kevin McNally's career. He has been in all five Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yes. That's what I recognize him from. Aha. That is exactly what I recognize him from. He's one of the pirates. He's Gibbs. He's, he's the friend of the dude with a wooden eyeball. Right. Okay. I think so. He was also in Fleabag, Downton Abbey, The Crown, Valkyrie, Life on Mars, Johnny English. He played a policeman in Spice World. 
He played a sex shop assistant in Bottom. Right, I'm looking up. <laughs> That's amazing. I think Richie goes in there and, you know, he's far too pusillanimous to say what he really wants. And he's he's a timid little pervert. And this guy is behind the counter and just owns him. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. That's a massive gold bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not done yet. He had a bit part in The Spy Who Loved Me, and he played Castor in I, Claudius. Oh, right. Yeah. This guy has 165 credits. Is Poirot on that list? No. Don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Gemma Churchill played Jean. Oh, right. Yeah. But she's also been in an episode of Poirot. Okay. Yeah. Go on. She played Elsie in The Adventure of the Cheap Flat. I remember that one. It's one of the early ones. You would have rewatched it by now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I just watched Murder in Mesopotamia yesterday. Ah. Um, I don't remember that one. Okay. Doesn't that? Oh, it doesn't matter. Her first role was as a tattooed punk in the charmingly titled Scrubbers. Nice. But she also has multiple prior Doctor Who connections. Uh-huh. She also played herself. Gemma Churchill played Gemma Churchill in the Five-ish Doctors reboot. Oh, yeah. that is pretty cool. How did that happen? Yeah, that's super cool. I'll tell you how it happened. Yeah. She has voiced a number of characters for Big Finish Audios, including one with each of the 5th, 6th, and 7th Doctors. So, of course, she was known to all of them in that mini-special. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Also, I've just looked up Poirot Cheap Flat on Image Search, and obviously that's the one. It's mm-hmm. great. It's a really, really good episode. Oh, cool. It's got a very cool kind of funky noir-esque... Like, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> At one point, they have... I think it's a flashback, and everything is just silhouetted because it's in the US. Uh, uh, they're in New York, and everything is... I'm going to find it, actually. <laughs> Maybe it's Los Angeles. If you search for Poirot Cheap Flat New York, it's the first image that comes up. Okay, I'm going to test it, this theory, this little experiment. All of a sudden, it doesn't look like a Poirot episode anymore. It looks like a play. I can show you if you Right, like. yeah, I've got it. See it? Yeah, yeah, there's what road furniture and then a painting a matte painting in the background yeah and yeah. people in, yeah it's oh. no yeah. it's a really good episode actually i have one more prior doctor who connection oh my boner's about to get a boner all right go for it vincent brimble which <laughs> what a name that's yeah there's a reason why i'm chuckling that's a great <laughs> name <laughs> he played gerald right okay and boy did his character piss me off there's one note and then there's one note did you want this setup to have a better payoff blame this character but he also has a prior Doctor Who connection. He played Tarpok in Warriors of the Deep. I don't remember who Tarpok is. I remember Warriors of the Deep. He was in all four episodes. So yeah, yeah. I assume he was one of the major characters of the serial. That's pretty of cool. the serial month, week, whatever. Right, all right. Okay, I'm Googling so, researching it. Yeah, this episode is full of callbacks to classic Who. Sometimes personified. <laughs> yes, indeed. Tarpok might be a sea devil as in he might have worn a sea devil mask absolutely you know but yeah good stuff mm. or a silurian no oh. i think he's a silurian yes oh my goodness he's a silurian oh he's a classic who said it's an episode with silurians and sea devils yeah, yeah, yeah and i think he might be the lead silurian oh brilliant he's listed as a villain yeah. on todd's wiki yeah. uh, very cool well done gerald right vincent yeah. vincent brimble brimble <laughs> get me brimble anyway Kevin McNally, he was one of the highlights of the episode, right? Yes, he's great. Yeah. And he's going to get even better. Hmm. I liked it when they're doing something very serious and he's bumbling around between them like, well, no, but when you put this mind meld thing to use, can you put these helmets on so I can get some readings? Yeah. Oh, which other sci-fi film am I thinking of where something similar happens? Oh? 
There's a uh, life or death situation. No, but I can't not document this. What am I thinking of? Maybe it'll come to me. Hmm. Probably not. Yeah, I liked it. I really, really liked it. It nicely parallels how he acts in the very beginning of the episode where poor Claire is having a seizure in his chair and he could not give a smaller shit. No. It's just like, no, I must document. This is fascinating. <laughs> yes, I can see the citations now. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness, the impact factor. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also when he's facing down the angels on the stairs. Yeah. And he's saying, I observe you. This is my power over you. And his voice comes back down at him saying, we are patient. We have time. I mean, yeah. that is a lovely interchange. He spends a lot of time not blinking there. Do you think he is yeah, the first character to finally figure out that you could just wink? They don't show it. Nope. No. Also so cool that he just chucks some tea at them. <laughs> really, I love it. I love it. As tea, a cricket bat. It might even be a croquet mallet that the doctor bashes into the secret tunnel with. I really wanted her to just thwack an angel's head off at that point. Oh, While yes, they're staring down the angels and she's holding a freaking sledgehammer. Why not just walk up to go, you know what? Screw all of you. Ka-ching! Head <laughs> yeah. goes off. Yeah, fantastic. That would have been badass. Hmm. Also, I, I would like to say that Annabelle Scully as Claire slash Angel. Yeah. Controlling Claire. Yeah, also very good. Everyone is good in this except for Dan Stevens. Well, Yas was okay. Oh. Yas was also in the episode, dude. Yeah, no, that, that's... Yeah, yeah, well... No, I'm saying everyone is good except for Dan Stevens. You're saying Yas was good? Yeah, good. I thought, I thought good Yaz for was, you, Yaz. I thought Yas was great in this. Okay. Oh, uh, maybe great is too much. No, Yas does a great job. I guess I Dan Stevens. was just annoyed because she was either with Dan, who was annoying me, or yeah. she was reacting to Gerald, who was annoying me. But she demonstrates all of her values and acumen as a Sheffield policewoman. Yes. With modern sensibilities and sensitivities. Exactly. And it's all thrown into such stark relief because the other guy is so one note. I felt she became the counter note. And I was like, uh. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair argument. But it is a nice thing that Doc knows, no, I can trust Yaz to handle this situation. Yaz, you handle it. I'm off to follow my boiling Sonic. Yeah, that's true. You can be competent and babysit Dan at the same time. And I love that she got rid of them quite so quickly because then she was just able to be the Doctor. Yeah. Like she has been being so much more since we streamlined the TARDIS even a little bit. Even a little bit, yeah, that's true. Lots of other cool stuff in this episode, by the way. Oh, please. Fantastic mirror scene. Claire looking in the mirror and seeing herself with angel wings. Now, I wanted to talk to you about how that was staged. I think that's a fake mirror. It's two people facing each other. Yes, it is. Because it's one single long shot and we don't see the first woman. We don't see her face. We don't see the camera reflected. It's not green screened. The easiest way to do it is just to have two people with roughly the same haircut and the same top. Yeah, two sinks. And then she ducks out the way and the camera pans back to where she had been standing. But it is very well done. If you look really closely, actually, I think you can tell that they are not docking perfectly in sync. Yes, you can tell that. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's a very nice shot. The fact that she is in the mirror suddenly having sprouted wings is... Oh. surprising and mind-boggling and absolutely wonderful. Yeah, because yeah. while this is happening, they give this maneuver so much time. Yeah. And you think, oh, I know what to expect. There's going to be an angel behind her, and then she won't be able to blink in the mirror. That's not what you get at all. Not at all. You are just lulled into the sense of your own superiority, yeah. and boom, petard up the ass. you are hoisted 
and you are surprised and it's great. That, yeah. that whole thing is worthy of a film. It's top tier choreography. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Very nicely done. Okay. How about this then? Go on then. We're talking about angels. Great scene. The assignation tunnel. The pervert tunnel. Oh. Yeah, the grasping arms. Yeah, that scene is creepy as hell. Yeah. It is, in fact. I used the term time fracture before. So when we went to the time fracture live immersive theatrical experience thingy. Yes. We were in a tunnel. It was exactly like that. Oh, It was scary as hell. It's dark. The flashlight is flickering. And every single time it flickers, the angels come closer. It's amazing. cool. Super, super cool. That scene in this episode is terrifically well done. Yes. All the way up until the very end when you think maybe, oh, is she going to buy it? Is this what's going to happen? She's going to be sent back or she's going to be sent to some other place. Can the angels send her into prison? Whatever the angels are going to do with her. Mm. Or is it going to end on a cliffhanger? She's cornered by the angels. But no, the angel just stands still in that tunnel. Perfect scene. Mm. Super nicely done. Well, even the angel standing still, though, was sinister. You're like, oh, no, what even worse awaits the doctor now? The angel isn't just standing there, blasé, you know, hands on its hips going, Whatever, Doc, move ahead. Yeah, be my guest. Yeah, it is still grasping for her, but not doing anything. No, it's very well done. Yeah. Very nicely done. One of the cutaways I was thinking of wasn't actually to Belle. The Doctor says, if we can get past them, we might just stand a chance. And there's before and behind angels, and there's absolutely no chance. Yeah. And then we have Peggy talking about her history teacher in 1901, and they're walking around the field, and it's like... This is not where I want to be right now. They had built the excitement up to a fever pitch. And okay, they do get back there. But it's like, I wouldn't have cut away myself. Okay, I'm also looking at the transcript. And at the end of the previous scene, the Doctor has reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. Uh Why? What does it achieve? Because she's put the EEG readers on two angels. Two angels out of... At least a dozen that are in the house. I think so it'd be like it is ten. No, that is true. There are so many other angels who could just <laughs> walk up and go, Bloop, take it off the heads, done. Or just ignore that angel. Fuck that angel. That angel is boned now. We are going after you in the tunnel. By the way, the tunnel's full of angels. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And instantly, they are undoing the bolts when she's just on the other side of the door. And she's not doing up the bolts. She's not sonicking the bolts. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, no, that is true. I didn't think too much about this, to be honest. When it happened, my only thought was just, all right, well, the machine is there to observe you by reversing the polarity. You are now observing yourself, in a sense, or you are observing each other. And they can't be observed. As long as they're observed, they can't move. So by placing the headgear on two of the angels, two of them get it right. Yeah. So by doing that, now they're observing each other. It's the equivalent of putting a mirror in front of one angel. I guess... For me, reversing the priority of the neutron flow means that that machine will convert them from live angels back into sketches. Oh. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Not that that would achieve much either, because I think that this whole little set piece exists just so she can say that line. Yeah, I I think that's probably valid. Last points, then. All right, here's my penultimate point. Okay. Which one to go for? Which one of these two do I go for first? All right, Doc at one point asks Prof, An angel attacked you? Why? What did it want? Why would the angel need an excuse? I think it's Prof. 
I think it might be Claire. Oh, maybe it's Claire. Sorry, no, you're right. It's Claire. Why would anyone ever go, what did it want? Angels attack people all the time. Yeah, that is how they roll. Yeah, because otherwise they're surrounded by angels in this episode. Wouldn't they just go, it's fine, we haven't offended any one of them. Also, by the way, angels, I haven't got a wallet. Or even if I did, my currency wouldn't be valid in this time period. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) No need to attack me. Yeah. No, it would make sense for the angels to send people forward in time because then their coins would be ancient and museum pieces and worth (laughs) far more. Yeah, but by the same rationale, it's like, oh, you know what? (gasps) Wait, hang on. It shouldn't be that people disintegrate the second time they're angeled. It should be the third time they're angeled. Okay, why? Because the second time they're angeled, the potential that is squandered, the potential life energy that the angel can ingest, is the life, the parallel life, in which that person has biffed it. Biff from Back to the future it. Oh. And gone, all right, well, this is horrible. Most of my loved ones haven't even been born yet and won't be born for several decades. But you know what? I know most historical events. I'm going to be a multi-billionaire in this life. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to live it up. <laughs> Bajing, they're angels, <laughs> and that's the life energy that is squandered. That's what an angel should eat. Yeah, goodness. So much more. Yeah. Exactly. Ah, wow. Anyway, that was my penultimate one. Yes, that line did stick out to me as well. An angel attacked you, but why? What further mysteries do you harbour? <laughs> is what she's essentially saying. Yeah. 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 We see through you, script. <laughs> <laughs> script. I have one positive I'd like to note. Yay! <laughs> Okay. Which is Yaz and Dan, their torches are flickering and everything's going wrong. But Yaz says, keep your eyes on it. We've still got the moonlight. And then the blackest cloud I've ever seen. It's like Vanta Black rolls inexorably over the moon. And it's <laughs> so enjoyable just to see the hope in their eyes die, honestly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good stuff. Very good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've also just got a very quick one. Already mentioned this at the very top of this episode. Oh, yeah. The T-1000 angel. Right, How yes. does that note that has been torn asunder, how is it reassembled? Mm, yes. I'm not coming up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like smashing a TV screen. Yes, exactly. Why doesn't the TV suddenly reassemble? Yeah, or Sonya's games console that has dropped on the floor. Yeah. Why do the shards of CD not coalesce within it and the angel pops out the top? Yeah, exactly. Mm. I was prepared to forgive a lot of the extra angel powers in this episode just by saying division operatives, division training, special division powers, whatever. Mm. But this is possibly the most inexplicable because... Doc has done the right thing. Why she doesn't then burn the stuff in the fire Great, I suppose because she doesn't think she has to. Maybe she's never encountered a division angel before and that's the difference, but it still doesn't stand up for me. Yeah, but I still don't feel like it's explained. No, 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 no. She tears it apart and it's, yeah, no, no, no. The effect of it coming back together is really well done. I was really impressed with it. But then mm. the shot of it flying out of the fire and landing somewhere looked so bad. Yeah, okay, fine. But my flaccidity at that <laughs> scene, uh-huh. is that the right word? Flaccidity? I believe so. 
is blown out, so to speak, out the water by the massivo eggplant of the angel afterwards stretching out in sort of light fragments from that sketch, mm-hmm. which then obviously precedes it being on fire and being even more scary, so yeah, yeah, terrifying, yeah. so wonderfully beautiful, so beautiful that I don't care. If any special effects in this episode look a little naff, I did not notice. This episode was gorgeous. That scene passed the flaccid test. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) The electric Kool-Aid flaccid test. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we're about ready to rate this bad boy. Holy smokes, yeah, I think we are. Might even be a good boy. Let's do it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Okay, so my rating begins. This episode is a feast of iconic imagery. Mm -hmm. You have the fire angel, the dark village, the angel in the mirror, the doc becoming an angel in a cliffhanger for the ages. I seem to be mentioning the angels a lot. Have they been used so well since Blink? No. Yeah, this is the second best weeping angel episode. Undoubtedly. Which is a feather in this era's cap. (laughs) Yes. The only big problem, well, the third only big problem I have, is specifically uh-huh. Division is Everywhere. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. You know who else is everywhere? The Doctor, Captain Jack. Sure, both have had some or all of their memory wiped, but they're also the Guardians, and I know I keep returning to this, the Tally. There are so many too big, too broad, overarching frameworks in this universe, it's starting to make it feel a bit small. There are too many ramifications left unramified. Do we have Division (laughs) Daleks? Cybermen humans? Maybe, if Mr. Arctic Circle is anything to go by. So I ask you, why haven't they stopped the previous 12 Doctors? That's where this retcon falls down. You make this too big, there can never be a satisfactory answer. I was sleeping on the job, said Tectoian. The Doctor shouldn't be a woman. Hashtag not my doctor. Bullshit. Don't quote me out of context. (laughs) (laughs) You're putting sound bites out there, dude. (laughs) Careful, careful. I'm going to follow it up by saying Jodie is very strong in this episode. She's resourceful, brave, fiery. All the promise we saw back in The Woman Who Fell to Earth that we gushed over is so, so latterly fully being realised. But I think we've established this episode is not an all-time classic. It's very, very good, and Kevin McNally and Annabelle Scully both run Jodie close, but not really anyone else, and the whole Bell storyline and a lot of the lines that were just there for effect and some of the choices. I'm going to give this a (laughs) 4.1. Okay, yeah, cool. Right, 4.1 from you. Fantastic, yeah, good stuff. Okay, I think this is a really good episode. Mm -hmm. As I think we both agree on that, we've made that abundantly clear. I don't give out fours willy-nilly. Absolutely, no willies, no nillies. (laughs) It's very clever, it's inventive, it makes very good use of the angels. In fact, to a degree, it even reinvents them. I think that's why this is the second best ever angel episode, because the second time we had angels, they were just a repeat of the thing that we had at the time. When the angels showed up that first time, Holy smokes, did it ever blow our minds. Mm. Yeah, so this does reinvent them. They do something new now. Yes, they work for division, whatever. They can latch onto psychic powers? What? There are psychic powers now as well? Okay, let's gloss over (laughs) that observation. I'm on a high. It probably would score a not quite, but very close to top marks this episode. If only it made sense and the characters within its confines weren't incapable of reacting to anything that's immediately out of frame. (laughs) What it lacks in logic, however, it more than makes up for in ambience. Half of the lines could have come from something like Dark or Time Crimes. It is fantastic. Well done, Chibbers and Maxine Alderton. Bravo. Bravi. Perhaps more likely Brava. 
Doc is very resourceful here. Alternatingly, Kevin McAllistering or John McClaning. All the max. <laughs> all the max. She's probably going to survive certain death here. So Connor McLeod it while you're at it. Um, <laughs> she also has some really fun bands with the prof. Although, didn't say this, feels like a bit of a missed opportunity and an ace reference. Oh? Ace used to call Doc Professor. Yes, she did. Uh, and still does in Power of the Doctor. Still does, yeah. So that could have been a... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. It, it doesn't... Yeah, I don't care. It's great. <laughs> and Doc is so freaking clever. My heart is racing as I'm saying these words. Like I said, only one, maybe two notes. Actually, only just one note about Jodie Whittaker. And that is that at this point, <laughs> if you told me her acting comprises, let's say, or consists of, let's say... 80%, 84% arms. Yeah. I would be like, I'm sure that makes sense. I trust you to have done the maths, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to dwell on that. She's fine. The companions, like I said, Yaz is pretty great, frankly. I have no complaints about her not feeling Dan at all, though. The Vindra and Bell subplot is frustrating, but thankfully I don't consider them companions. Greatest asset, ambience, and the illusion of cleverness. Biggest flaw. Uh, you know what? Whatever. We've covered all that. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Main takeaway, is 1901 Peggy meant to be a sort of midwitch child? This is Village of the Angels, Village of the Damned, Midwitch uh-huh. Cuckoos. Mediton. Mediton, midwitch. Yeah. Yeah. And this weird girl shows up out of nowhere, out of... T- yeah, anyway. Yeah, whatever. Mm. Doesn't matter. I love this episode. I've written down 4.2. Aha! Oh, can I ask? Yes. Before we started the hour ratings part of this episode, you changed your rating. It had been 4.4. Oh, oh, interesting. I also changed my rating. Yes. From 4.0. Oh, you went up? Yeah, I went up. Oh, this happened again, right. So, (laughs) I want to draw attention to this is the third episode of Flux. Nay, the third episode out of four yeah. that we have both rated in the fours. Yeah, it's finally coalescing. Yeah. It's coming together. So I would submit however many questions go unanswered in the next two episodes, and there will be many, we may never know the full number. As long as those two final episodes are anything better than unwatchable, Flux was a triumph, right? Quite possibly, yeah. Because even the best series, which I think by now we can definitively say are some or all of series 4, 5, 9, and 10, each only have four or five episodes, which we rated four and up. Yeah. Out of 12 or 13. Yeah, no, it is finally a vindication, a vindication (laughs) for this era of Doctor Who. Writing is going super well. Production value is off the charts. Yum. Chibbers is doing a heck of a job running this show. Yeah, well done. Well done, everyone involved in this. Yeah, my final positive thing is to say that this is what Nightmare in Silver should have been with the Cybermen, but they did it with the Angels. Oh, I see. Do you know what I say? There's a whole group of them. They're all on a team. They've all got extra powers. Yeah. This one really works. Nightmare in Silver, complete shit first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well done, guys. So this is what we think about it. Oh, but there are other people who've reviewed this, are there? What? Other people also have opinions? And exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should check in on that. Okay. Let's do that. <laughs> this is Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Okay, whoop and or whoop, Podcast Land, because oh, yes. two of you have written in this week. Whoop, whoop. The first whoop is from Kieran Evans. Ooh, hello, Kieran. Sup, Kieran. Kieran begins... Yay, the angels are here. Mm-hmm. 
there's a nice sense of inventiveness to the use of the angels in this one. I love the burning angel. Here's our friend who agrees with us. Oh, yes. And there are nice bits as they attack the house. And the ending visual of the Doctor being turned into an angel is a very strike. Yes, if only it were the ending. <laughs> very true. <laughs> Chibnall showed he could handle the angels in the sequence in the first part of Flux. And this proves that wasn't a one-off. I also feel it's a fairly good outing for the Doc and Co. Agreed. Oh, look, continues Kieran. It's Lang from The Twin Dilemma looking a little different these days. This one feels similar to Hyde from Series 7. A psychic being monitored by a grumpy professor who is a World War II veteran. Mm. Yeah, true. Also the shrinking universe idea. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's so true. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hmm. The atmosphere is also similar, but it works well. The angels are arguably a better match for the 60s or before than the modern day. Certainly architectural style has moved on and we put a lot less statues on buildings. We also know what happens if you are double tapped by an angel. And yes, being turned to dust makes sense as a result. Also, a good visual. The idea that Division used angels as agents is a decent one, says Kieran as it makes sense that they would use beings with the angels' characteristics to their advantage. Sure. Yeah. How do they recruit them? And, and do why do the angels them? allow themselves to be recruited? Well, yeah, what do the angels get out of this situation, this exchange? Yeah. Eh. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm like not sure how I feel about silence. that. Like, I'm not a fan of silence in the division as well? Or? Well, I presume so, yeah. Because yeah. they're like the living, breathing version of the Men in Black gadget. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I guess. I don't know. I'm not a fan of Division in general, so Mm. I'm not a fan of Division recruiting anyone. (laughs) (laughs) But no, fine. Fair enough. Kieran concludes, oh, look, the torch Dan uses is a bardic. Someone's been robbing the railway. A bit of inside knowledge there, Kieran. Well done. Kieran says, overall, the best episode of Flux so far and a creepy and well-used outing for the angels. 4.5 out of 5 angels on your mind. No, Kieran, get them off your mind. Well done, Kieran. Wow, holy smokes. Huge uh, heart. Amazing mini, fabulous rating. Well done. Ooh, ooh, ho, ho. podcast land. If you uh, happen to not be Kieran, I think what you owe yourself is an environmentally conscious road trip with all <laughs> of your pals. How might you achieve this, Drew? You can reduce your carbon emissions by getting some electronic vehicles off Kieran at KJ Evans too. For all your Your Evan needs. needs. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Karen. (laughs) Who's next, at last? Why, it's Ollie Raven. Hello, Ollie. Hello, Ollie. Welcome to New Who. Is this the first time that Ollie's done a New Who review? Possibly. My memory is bad, but I don't know who you are, Ollie. (laughs) One way or another. His name's Ollie, to be clear. Ollie. I said Ollie. I know, but I said it wrong once. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry? (laughs) No, Solly. (laughs) (laughs) sorry ollie ollie starts hi there oh sorry hang on was just looking to help a couple of dudes finish off and seem to have taken a wrong turn hey oh by which i mean finish off the run of classic who reviews (laughs) match um yeah (laughs) since i'm here though i might as well stick around a moment to say holy heck this was blooming great wasn't it yes it was Mm, yes we three all agree so far all right, Ollie continues. So the extremely underwhelming non-resolution to the cliffhanger leaves a lot to be desired at the start of the following week. But that'd be a nitpick for the next episode, and I refuse to hold it against this one. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> well, I can't say I'm massively shocked. <laughs> In the meantime, best super tense usage of the Weeping Angels, since at least Flesh and Stone, 
and arguably since Blink. Here is our friend who agrees with us. Yes. Yeah, who nice. is arguing on our side. <laughs> Ollie continues, unlike the classic stories, I'm not sure I even have a way to rewatch this right now, so for once my thoughts will be kept mercifully brief. Although, on the other hand, it did only air 18 months ago, so swings and roundabouts. Oh my goodness, is it 18 months ago? November 2021. That is yeah. blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah. That is absolutely mad. Dude, where are we going to be in July? I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yaz and Dan helping out the little girl are brilliant, but the guest cast are even better. Ooh. Jericho's an awesome addition. Did the actress playing the character of Claire look eerily reminiscent of Jenna Coleman, aka the similarly named Clara, to anyone else? Now I think about it, mm, I'm going to have to Google image search the two of them next to each other. Definitely the same colour palette. Yeah, sure. Just me then? <laughs> Jodie is every bit the doctor here too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And Ollie Oshi Raven <laughs> concludes, overall, I give it four point, oh my goodness, eight <gasps> abusive uncles out of five. Hmm, perhaps not the most inspired arbitrary scoring system to take from this episode, but there you have it. It's as good as any other. Holy smokes. Kieran, give up your big heart, Oscar, and hand it over to Ollie because yikes caramba. Yeah, he gazumped your ass. <laughs> Oh, well done. Fantastic, Ollie. Good stuff. <laughs> Is there any way I could get more good stuff from Ollie? Ooh, and I. Yes, you can. Head on over to the old Graham and say hi to Ollie. Ollie can be found at a foggy Doctor Who. Say. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Yes, all in one word for your convenience. Mm. Well, that's about it for this episode, Podcast Land, but this is not the end of Doctor Who, nor is it the end quite of Who Back When? For you. <laughs> <laughs> Five episodes to go. Three or four classics. Wow. Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> but then there's the movie as well. Yeah, so five each. Holy smokes. And a couple of retrospectives. And well, what's up next in the classic channel? That's an excellent question. Next up, we've got Battlefield. Ooh. Yeah, which I think is going to be the episode that I originally thought Delta and the Bannerman was going to be. I see. <laughs> Medieval times and a chap with a Prince Charming page boy kind of haircut. Oh, nice. Pretty cool. sure that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is the start of the seventh doctor's final series yeah you bet your ass it is so he's getting super dark <laughs> oh yes well i hope so very dark and manipulative ace <laughs> lovely <laughs> next up in the new who channel we have survivors of the flux i don't remember that one at all wait is that the one that's set inside passenger I or think largely that may come up and there may be some extra universal shenanigans oh i look forward to that mm-hmm. at some point Shit bongos, we have promised this a while now. Yes, and we're actually going to do it. Yeah, we are absolutely going to do it. We're re-promising it right now. Yeah, I'm pledging my allegiance to that. <laughs> <laughs> Silent surfs. We are going to do an audio who review of Doctor Who, colon, the punctuation, redacted. That's right. Yeah, you bet it. In the meantime, <laughs> you can contact me at whobackwhen at gmail.com. I where... promise to forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure all my old Twitter pals have been sending me all kinds of things. They've just been misspelling my name or something. <laughs> all right, peeps, send a message to Drew to at whobackwen.com. Does uh, anyone not, at remember who back when. me? <laughs> 
You know what? I think everyone's abandoning Twitter. I think that's what's happening. Oh, so yeah, don't worry maybe. About it. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. What about you? You're not abandoning Twitter. No, but I was barely on it to begin with. <laughs> uh, I am nominally on Twitter at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N, and also available at Who Back When. <laughs> well done, dude. You've been dragging Twitter down for years. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Monetize this, Elon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, that about concludes it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Oh, yes, yeah. Till the next time, rock on and chit chow and bye-bye. Wow, everything I usually say. <laughs> uh... You're just such a model, a role model. <laughs> <laughs> you could have stopped at model, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Peeps, you know what? Just be good. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?